With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottom and cans turn blue when your beer is cold and that way you know it's time to chill hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone an opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your own show pushed out on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is you can get this all for just $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today to apply Go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. Hello, welcome to another Friday roundtable here on Purple Insider. Matthew Collar, Sam Ekstrom, and joining me for this Friday roundtable, presented by Scout Logistics as always, Arif Hassan of The Athletic. What's up, Arif? Hey, not much. It's up to you. Now, since uh, not much, not much, just uh, hiring Sam, hanging around the house. Um, Speaking of which, you guys did a podcast for a long time, The Football Machine, which was very good. And then I uh, kind of bought it out. So now we're doing this. And uh, (laughs) so I I wanted to do a football machine style podcast with you, Arif, and you, Sam. So Sam has come up with five questions and he's going to lead the discussion. I will act as the guest also on this podcast. So Sam, take it away with wherever you want to take it with your five questions for me and Arif. Well, how about this? A couple of zone coverage alums uh, and Matthew Collar on the Purple Insider podcast today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. So to be as contrarian as possible, um, we're going to do a five answers format today. I'm going to give you guys um, five answers, and you will come up with the question. 
You can take it in any direction you want um, as long as it's phrased in the form of a question. So a little bit of a Jeopardy twist. Here's the first answer in our five answers of the day. Let Russ cook. Matthew, we'll start with you. What is the question? So I'm supposed to ask what the question is. Uh, what will Russell Wilson's new team do for him? Let Russ cook. Uh, last year, right, the Seattle Seahawks decided they were really going to lean into Russell Wilson throwing the ball all the time. And then they just bailed on that about halfway through the season when they felt like they were giving up too many points and they needed to control the ball on the ground. And so now Russell Wilson reportedly wants out and there is a rift between Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks, which uh, I got to say, guys, I did not exactly see coming. Did you? Did anybody else think Russell Wilson will join Deshaun Watson on wanting to leave his football team this offseason? I did not think that that was going to happen. It's crazy. A quarterback of that caliber who seemed like so in lockstep with his head coach and his GM. And it, it seemed like kumbaya in Seattle. And apparently it's not the Adam Schefter tweet today that he hasn't demanded a trade, mind you. He has not demanded a trade, but he did drop the hint that if there were a trade, he'd like to go to maybe the Cowboys, the Saints, the Raiders or the Bears. I don't want to stomp on a reef here, though. What is your question to the answer? Oh, uh, it was what will be written on Pete Carroll's gravestone. <laughs> wow, that's potentially ruthless. Yeah, why didn't you let Russ Cook would be the the question. Why didn't you get a better offensive line? Why did you draft a running back and a linebacker in the first round? Uh, there's a lot of questions here. Um, let me sort of bounce something back at you, Arifa, on this matter. Bears? Bears? How are the Bears? How? How are the Bears mentioned as a potential team that Russell Wilson would want to go to? I totally understand. All right, Saints, you get to go there and throw to Michael Thomas and Elvin Kamara and play with Sean Payton. Dallas, it's Dallas. Bears? Explain Bears. I, I think I think it's just because there's this wide conception, right, that uh, the the Bears have gotten into the playoffs despite their quarterback. Imagine what they can do with their quarterback. And, and you know, at a base level, I agree they do have a pretty good defense, or at least they've got good defensive players. Um, you know, the problem, of course, is that you know the only reason the offense was able to keep up is that is because of Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson's hitting free agency. If you franchise him, are you going to have enough money to trade for Russ? I have no idea what the Bears' cap situation is, but that that feels difficult to me. It's not awesome. It's not yeah, okay. awesome. Yeah. None of the four candidates are, are great situations. Dallas has space, but they also don't have a quarterback like signed right now, which is right. why well, they that have makes space. Dallas perfect, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you just you think, hey, the Bears have made the playoffs a couple of times. They did it despite not having a quarterback. Uh, I'm a quarterback. I, I can fix the Bears. Uh, and of course, he immediately becomes the, the greatest quarterback in, in Bears franchise history. Um, which I, I guess he already was for Seattle too, which, I mean, that's kind of a cool title to have. It's like him and Peyton Manning have done it for two teams. I, I guess if you're a John Elway stand, you don't believe that, but honestly, yes. Wow. Um, I also thought though that, I mean, that's part of it is like you get to have the legacy. If you win a Super Bowl with the bears of being the greatest quarterback to ever play for the bears and somebody who took an all time great franchise to the Super Bowl. But I also think that, 
him believing that going there would be much different than Seattle. I'm not sure how much better their defense really is for the long term. They have a couple of good players still, but it has fallen off quite a bit over the last couple of years yeah. from where it was. And, and that's part of the reason I corrected myself. They've got good defensive players. I don't know if they'll continue to have a good defense going forward. Um, especially, like, what are they going to have to give up in a trade for Russell Wilson? They probably have to give up some of those defensive players, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in my in in my building up of a Deshaun Watson trade, I was like, well, the Bears probably have to give up Khalil Mack. And then it feels like, oh, my God, what's the point? I think it's still worth it. Obviously, it's a quarterback. But, um, you know, if, if Deshaun Watson's asking price is somewhere around five mid-first-round picks or something like that, Right, you have to give up something because you're not going to be able to trade. You know, your first round pick four years out, five years out. So you're probably going to have to give up someone like a Khalil Mack. And so, uh, with that in mind, you know, what do you have to? Are you going to be able to maintain that defense with? You know, you don't have an edge rusher on either side. You don't have a first round pick to get an edge rusher. You've got Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman, and that's your defensive line. Great, you're stopping the run and maybe getting a little bit of pressure with Hicks. Um, but now you're really getting to see if like you know, that safety group is as good as you think. If Kyle Fuller can can maintain that level of play, which, you know, he has and he hasn't. Um, yeah, it's 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 tough. But, yeah, I, I think it's more good defensive players than a good defense. But I don't know. Players are just not typically all that great at talent evaluation, and they don't need to be generally. But, you know, when it comes to Allen Robinson selecting a franchise and deciding that, you know, he wants to go to one with a good quarterback and he lands on the Bears, I mean, that's what ends up happening. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not shocked, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I sort of get it. Um, how about this for another answer, Sam, is um, something that will always continue to happen against the Vikings, no matter where he goes. Is it interesting <laughs> Is it interesting to you, Sam or Arif, that Minnesota does not end up on this list for Russell Wilson? Or would you think that Wilson would just say, well, why would I want to join the team that I always beat anyway? Yeah, <laughs> I feel like there's probably some recency bias too. like, oh, the team that had the 29th best defense or like was a kind of a bad team last year. Um, why would I want to go there? Even though it, it does seem a little appealing to, to play with Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook. But what what is Russell Wilson dealt with forever in Seattle, like bad pass blocking? And he's not exactly upgrading that situation in Minnesota either. So um, we talk about the Raiders for a second. What are the Raiders doing on this? Well, hold on, hold on, Arif. Don't don't step in my touchdown call here. My question to the answer is, what is the catchphrase that folks will be uttering on the Las Vegas Strip next year? Because I'm I'm into the Raiders. I just think that in it's a very Mayock Gruden esque kind of move. It is. I don't, th- I don't think they are married to Derek Carr. It Derek Carr would be the Garoppolo in this trade if Wilson was the Cousins because Derek Carr's got no dead money. It's like $2 million. So the Seahawks could get a bunch of picks. I'm I'm guessing two first-round picks minimum. uh, And Derek Carr, they could kind of reset financially. If they want a ball-control offense, Derek Carr is a ball-control quarterback. That's perfect. And and I just think that Sierra would fit in great on the Las Vegas Strip. He could have a permanent (laughs) residency. It's true. Uh, maybe that's why that's why the Raiders ended up on the list. I don't know. It just feels like, it, I guess it, it, if you're if you're like a true competitor, which I guess Russell Wilson is, it'd be fun to go toe to toe against Mahomes and stuff like that. But I don't know if the Raiders are the team that I'd want to go toe to toe with Mahomes with. I mean, yeah, I think that that receiving force probably they beat them last year. They did. Do you expect that to continue happening? No, just <laughs> just throwing it out there. 
Um, but, yeah, I, I think they've got an underrated receiving core. I don't know if that offensive line is as good as it seems because Derek Carr gets rid of the ball in 2.1 seconds to a receiver half a yard down the field. Um, although with, with Darren Waller, that has changed. I mean, Derek Carr's thrown it deeper this year. But I don't know. I mean, that defense isn't all there. I know the Raiders just don't seem poised to do much. The, I mean, admittedly, the defense did do very well against Patrick Mahomes. But that's about it. You know what? I, I, what team I'm ahead. a little surprised that it would not be on this list, and maybe it's because he couldn't be the best quarterback in the franchise's history. But Denver just seems like such an attractive place for any quarterback. I mean, you have yeah. all sorts of weapons. You have a team that's going to pass the football. Uh, that they've really designed their offense to pass the football with at least two or three very very good wide receivers uh, that have been taken high in the draft. Um, or Cortland Sutton coming back. He's and Noah Fant, a, right? right like, and Noah Fant, right? Is, yeah. is starting to develop into the player that they thought he would be and they need to fix some offensive line things but like that is a team in that division that probably won't overtake Kansas City with Mahomes but will be right there and could battle with them and plus I think they do have sustainable good defense if they stick with Vic Fangio they will not have good uh, clock management but they will have good defense in that case I also wonder what you guys think of just in general like, are the Vikings any kind of destination at this point? Because, it, okay, he's not on Russell Wilson's list. The Vikings aren't. That's fine. I mean, whatever. He seems to have really weirdly picked his list because he's a weird guy. I mean, but, they, they are destination cities, right? Chicago, Dallas, New yeah. Orleans, Las Vegas, yeah. plus teams that can use a quarterback. So I think that was the the two criteria. But, yeah, as for, like, Minnesota slash Minneapolis, um. Yeah, I remember when Sheldon we asked Sheldon Richardson like, "Hey, so what? Why, why Minnesota?" And he was like, "These are the best facilities in the league." Like, like he was a college recruit or something. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was very weird. Um, that I imagine is very low on the list of priorities for most players. Yes. Um, if <laughs> if if the Vikings are going to attract anybody, they have to be an already good team. Yes. Uh, yep. Which is which is what has led people to the Vikings before when they've won free agency battles, but otherwise they're getting, you know, third or fourth free agents or weird people like Alex Boone, who very much had a commitment to the location and not like, not that Alex Boone chose Minneapolis because he was weird, but rather he, his regional preference was very weird. just very unusual, which I hear is a preference that Brandon Sheriff has. If we want to throw some, um, fire on uh, some gas on the fire, right? Some speculation there, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, aside from people who are like, yeah, I I just love the cold, give it to me. Uh, you have to already be a good team if Minnesota is going to attract anybody. I think that's right, and I also think that you know, in 2018, Mike Zimmer and the Vikings are looked at as sort of wow, what a premier franchise in the league at this moment in time. They just paid Kirk Cousins. They're going to go to the next level. They're going to compete for a Super Bowl. And if I'm Sheldon Richardson, I'm going to be on national TV a lot, sacking some quarterbacks and getting my next contract, where now it kind of looks like the whole thing is a little bit in disarray, where you have a very expensive quarterback and a team with a lot of needs. And if you're one of those top players who says, you know, put me on the national TV games, put me in the spotlight because you know, I'm ready to win a Super Bowl, this just really isn't going to be your place. So I think they're going to have to be players with a lot of smaller free agents than they are. Uh, or, or, I mean, of course, if you trade for someone, they're forced to come here anyway. But, you know, when it comes to the other stuff, the trying to recruit people, they're kind of in a, in a tough spot. So, Sam, if you want to move on to your next one, this is I've taken it far down a different rabbit hole. You, you guys did a pretty good job with 
the answers or the the questions for the first one. I think you can do better with number two. It's a very simple answer. The answer is J.J. Watt. Let's start with Arif. What is your question? Uh, who are the Packers going to sign that's going to define the division for the next three years? Um, that That's the direction I thought you might go in, and I think it's worth um, evaluating what the likelihood is that J.J. Watt winds up in Wisconsin. I think, though, it's in, it's an interesting – dynamic because he's got the hometown angle but he's also got the family angle in Pittsburgh right and my question is since we're going down this road who will sign a massive contract in Pittsburgh and steal the money his brother was supposed to receive because TJ Watt (laughs) TJ Watt is also due for a contract extension in Pittsburgh so you've got a couple different polls there and uh, I don't know which one would be stronger well, I think, was it Diana Rossini reported that, uh, that Pittsburgh's now out of the equation, which I find kind of interesting. So it's um, – I wish I could find the tweet now. I can't. But it's like the Packers. Um, I, because I think Big the, Ben's going to demand, like, all the money that they would otherwise <laughs> right, use. Yeah, exactly. Um, the the Bills are an outside shot, um, which, I mean, I, I find that funny because now their fans on Twitter, now that I'm not, like, making fun of Josh Allen, now their fans on Twitter are a laugh ride. I love them. Um, whenever J.J. Watt tweets, they, like, find some crazy random connection to, to Buffalo to say that he's actually <laughs> tweeting about Buffalo obliquely. Like, one of his most recent tweets was uh, was something about naps. It was, it was not that interesting. Uh, but, uh, you, like, in the replies immediately, Buffalo fans are posting, like, links to the Niagara Sleep Center and stuff like that. Like, absolutely hilarious stuff. Um, but, yeah, I guess Pittsburgh's out of it, which I find kind of interesting. Um, and if, like, if like a sentimental connection is important to him, then uh, the Packers, would ima- I would imagine, would be very high on that list then. I'll give you my answer, and then um, I've got I, – Your I just, question, just, Carl, Sorry, your my question. question. Right, yeah, okay. Uh, and then just a thought on, on him and the Packers. My uh, question is, um, who is uh, Kevin Stefanski's first big signing in Cleveland is J.J. Oh, Watt. I, like I, I, I am thinking J.J. Watt will go to Cleveland because he's going to look at it as – Pittsburgh is a descending team. Roethlisberger is old. Um, Baltimore seems to be kind of stuck in this middle type of area. And as long as the Baltimore keeps the same offensive coordinator and pathetic passing game, um, I, you know, it's, I, I don't, I don't think that they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender. So if you're JJ Watt, you're thinking it's kind of Midwestern. It's sort of uh, close to Pittsburgh. Um, I don't know if people know how close it is to Pittsburgh. It's like really close if he wants to visit his brother. And um, it, you know, if it's the sort of ascending team that the Vikings would have presented themselves as once upon a time, and a team that suddenly, and this is where it always depends on the players and winning and who's coaching, but suddenly feels like it has a good culture under Kevin Stefanski and an exciting young quarterback, all those things, and money to pay J.J. Watt, which if I'm J.J. Watt, I mean, is still at the top of my priority list. Where can I win, but also who's going to pay me? Now, my question for you guys that is a question uh, is, uh, instead of an answer, is just if Watt signs with the Packers, how much does it really help them? Because I mean, yes, he's still good at football, but he's not dominant like he used to be at one time, and he's very expensive. I, I'm just not sure that I see this as a good idea for the Green Bay Packers. Does anybody agree with that? Uh, it kind of depends on whether or not they think, you know, Preston Smith is done, uh, what they're going to do with Rashawn Gary, 
But I think that you can find a way to put all of them on the field. So Darius Smith, uh, Rashawn Gary, J.J. Watt, and, uh, and Kenny Clark. Uh, and uh, both Rashawn Gary and J.J. Watt can play on the inside sometimes. I think you can run some very creative stunts and blitzes. Now, how much does it help you to upgrade what is essentially your fourth pass rusher, even if all four are going to be on the field? Probably not as much as, uh, you know, finding a replacement for Kevin King or whatever. Um, But, I mean, I don't know. Defensive coordinators have loved the idea of having – um, you know, additional pass rush and stuff like that more than, than seems to be healthy if, if you know, the analytics are, mm-hmm. are any good indication of, of you know, cost to performance ratios. So uh, does it help the backers? I mean, like from an absolute sense, yes. From a relative sense in terms of what other money that you can spend, probably not, but I still would not be happy about it if I were a Vikings fan, right? Because it's very difficult to celebrate like the opportunity cost of signing J.J. Watt. Like, ah, they, they could have signed – I guess there aren't any really good cornerbacks in the market. They could have signed William Jackson, you know. Too bad. Yeah. I mean, is it worth the amount of cost that is going to go into it when they have a lot of other needs and a cap situation that's very bad? So, um, you know, I think if you're the Vikings, of course, you don't want to face any more pass rushers than Green Bay already has. But it's also about, you know, the um, the, the long term of – how are they going to look over the next couple of years? But I guess that we're also talking about a team that really isn't looking long term and is trying to win. They even though even though they drafted Jordan Love, <laughs> like they, like they thought they were going to have to look long term, then they went, oh my God, Aaron Rodgers can still play. So hey, I mean, I would almost give them credit for changing directions to a win now type of approach. Yeah, no, that, I mean. Uh... Maybe they'll draft a receiver this time. Um, yeah, I mean, that that would be uh, kind of fascinating if, if they did end up signing J.J. Watt because it would be a clear, like, kind of reprioritization of the way that they're approaching, you know, player acquisition and stuff like that. But I actually – I really like this Cleveland idea in part because also um, I, I think it might play to J.J. Watt wanting to be a little bit of a savior, right, because he gets to put his <laughs> face on the Cleveland rebrand even though it happens yes. – a year before he arrived, you know, being the one to help turn around the franchise. That, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think that that would be be kind of huge, uh, which I don't want to like, I don't want to insult him too much. I mean, I, I, I think that that's inherently appealing to be the one that helps turn around a franchise. So um, I don't want to get uh, too down on it. But um, I, I, I think that the incentives there are, are pretty fascinating for a lot. Plus, you're right. I mean, it is really close to Pittsburgh. Plus, he automatically gets to see his brother two times a year anyway. Um, and rub it in his face when he wins, which, I mean, everybody wants to do that to the brother. So um, I, I like the Pittsburgh idea a lot, and I think um, one interesting thing is if Cleveland does end up winning a Super Bowl, I, there's got to be some number of Vikings fans that are going to, like, vicariously celebrate it and even claim it a little bit um, because of Kevin Stefanski, which they didn't really do with Mike Tomlin. They were just, like, mad. Um, that the Vikings couldn't keep him. But I could totally see Vikings fans attaching themselves to a Stefanski win. There is a Stefanski angle that on this show I haven't really talked about a whole lot um, of, hey, do you miss Kevin Stefanski or kind of wish that they went the Kevin Stefanski route having seen what he did in Cleveland? And I, I think that at least from my understanding – that the answer is it wouldn't just be fans who were missing uh, Kevin Stefanski right. and seeing him. It would be some people inside of TCO Performance Center that would be saying, 
man, we missed a little bit on Kevin Stefanski. But well, some people inside TCA Performance Center are saying, I told you so. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, th- this came as really no surprise. I mean, he goes to a situation where they had a completely incompetent coach before in Freddie Kitchens. So the bar is already extremely low. <laughs> and, and he's got an opportunity with a young quarterback and a team that has a bunch of cap space and has been adding players and has been drafting players high. It's like a great situation if you just don't look at the logo on the front and say it's the Cleveland Browns. Otherwise, it's one of the situations as a coach you'd want to go to because they were just primed to ascend. At the same time, having been around Kevin Stefanski and having covered Kevin Stefanski and talked to numerous people that uh, have worked with him on the inside, it's not surprising that he would be effective on the offensive side, that he would take Baker Mayfield to a new level, that he would also create sort of the situation and culture of uh, much more stability than than an unprofessional type of place with Freddie Kitchens. He's the exact opposite of Freddie Kitchens in terms of his personality. But where I'm sure some people in Minnesota were missing him is that he was not a Zimmer type. I mean, he wasn't the I'm going to cuss you out all the time kind of coach. He was much more of a let's break this down analytically with players. And I think that some folks would have maybe appreciated that change in the atmosphere. So Sam, if you want to move on, there's just a, just a, a, an aside on Kevin Stefanski. No, I, I like it. I think Stefanski sort of ran the perfect calibration of the offense he learned under Kubiak. I think he made it like a little less extreme, a little more fun, and it worked out really well for the Browns. And their quarterback play wasn't even, like, spectacular, and it was still still really effective last year. And they lost OBJ, which I think is impressive. Um, so our – and I apologize if there's any uh, internet issues for me right now because it says my internet connection is unstable, which is really unsettling. Um, You've been zoinking answer a Answer number three. Right. It's very wide <laughs> open, open-ended. $10 million. Yeah, how much money did the Vikings need to clear up uh, in order to get them back under the cap? Hey, everyone, I want to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly... Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So, if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out ScoutLogistics.com or call 855 217-2688 extension 232 to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. I think I'm going to go with, um, sorry if you were going to expand on that, Arif. I'm going to go with like the absolute maximum the Vikings could pay one player on the salary cap this year if they do a million other things, if they restructure and they cut people and they make all the other changes, I still – tell me if you disagree, Arif. Um, I still don't think they could go over $10 million average annual value for almost anybody. Uh, that, one, that one is tough. I think that the reason that that might not be the case is just because 
um, of of the weird cap mechanics you can do to get a player in their first year of the deal only costs like four or five million dollars, even though they're like an eighteen million dollar average annual value guy. Mm-hmm. The biggest problem is that there's a huge incentive for players to seek short term deals this year, unlike most years, just because hey, the cap is going to go up again. We're hearing all this news about you know a new TV deal that's going to like double the cost of NFL programming to channels, and then therefore theoretically double the revenue to the NFL. Uh, And if that's the case, um, then, yeah, I'd want to get back into free agency immediately if I was a player. Uh, And, you know, normally I'm seeking out security and guarantees and making sure that I don't get cut. And certain players in certain circumstances might just prefer that. But I think that a lot of players and players are the kinds of people that bet on themselves because they beat almost literally impossible odds to even get into the NFL. Um, If I'm that kind of player, which most players are, I'm going to bet on myself to just sign a one-year contract and then uh, hit free agency again. And that does not fit very well with the Vikings cap situation where if they want to, you know, get some high-value players under the cap, they're going to have to kick the can down the road like they've done two consecutive years with Kirk Cousins. So – or two consecutive deals with Kirk Cousins. So I don't know that $10 million is the absolute maximum AAV that they can pursue. Um, but it's probably wise if they thought of it like, like that, um, you know, I, which, you know, is going to limit, you know, the potential free agents. There aren't a bunch of good mid-value guards in the market, um, and, and that's kind of one of the bigger areas of need. Like after Joe Thune, it just kind of drops off into a bunch of backups. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it'll be tough, but, I mean, the Vikings uh, on a projected cap of, was it 180 now? Um, they are like literally $9.5 million over. So, that my my answer was just very factual. It doesn't have a ton of room for discussion <laughs> right. on top of it. So it was actually a bad question. Right. So, um, well, that's okay. I'll forgive you. Uh, or, well, I guess Sam's in charge of deciding if you're forgiven or not today. But um, <laughs> he's I, not. You know, you know okay. I I was th- I guess I was thinking about from the 10 million is how much more do they want to do this? Like they have done all these contracts that are five years and the first year is $5 million, but then the second year is 10 and then the third year is 20. And they've structured it this way for quite some time. And maybe they do, maybe they do want to keep doing this. But I also think that usually results in you get to a point where, uh uh-oh, we've got to cut everyone or restructure everyone. And and that sort of game that just goes on and on and on. And maybe you do get to a point again where you feel like, oh, we have to do that because of the cap situation and because we're ready to win. And I'm certain that Spielman and Zimmer want to win right now. Um, I just even wonder from an ownership perspective, like do we want to dole out the cash this way with the signing bonuses and all all that sort of stuff? Like, is that wise to do again, knowing what situation you ultimately put yourself in or would it be better? Like you said, Arif, I mean, even to just look at a couple of players who kind of might've had a down year, or something last year. I was thinking about this for three technique. Like there are not very many defensive tackles who you'd say, take all my money, but there's like seven of them who you'd say, what if you (laughs) took a little money, see if you get some sacks next to Michael Pierce or whatever, you know, or next to Daniil Hunter. Like, what if you do that? And then you can get more money next year. Like Sheldon Richardson's like Kawan short is a guy that comes to mind. Like if you Jarrell Casey got released, like if you took a little money, then just for one year, you come in here, make an impact, and then see what happens down the road. I think they kind of have to look at those guys instead of who can we sign to a big five-year, $50 million deal. Yeah, I think the only issue is, you know, once you get to the third day of the league, you're, you're committed to Cousins for two years because the guarantee kicks in. 
And, like, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, you have to pursue a win-now strategy if you've got a quarterback taking up $40 million of your cap, uh, and you can't do anything about it. So um, either you can try and blow up and rebuild early and try to get a bunch of young players into the building. Um, I don't know how you do that if if your um, biggest asset is untradeable. I guess you could trade Daniel Hunter, which – case I think you're kind of screwing yourself because he's a young core player as part of any rebuild um but I I think that you just kind of commit yourself to it I I think that you just kind of um throw yourself into uh the the cap situation that you know screws you in about three or four years just because you are committed to this idea that you can win now and you've got a quarterback that it takes up the amount of money that kind of necessitates that you win now what do you think Sam um, I think that my clock management's been poor. I'm like the drill, and I also apologize if my voice is on a delay because my computer is just nuts right now. So let me move on to the next answer um, and let you guys uh, converse. The answer is a second-round pick. What's the question? Go ahead, Arif. I don't have one. Uh, <laughs> now they do the Vikings, right? Uh <laughs> Hey, uh, how, what are the Vikings going to magically acquire and defy all odds? Regardless of kind of what you feel about Rick Spielman, uh, and there's a lot of opinions that I think have a lot of merit, you know, positive and negative. He is really remarkably good at trading during the Mm -hmm. draft. Like he's just nuts at at that. And uh, I would not be shocked if he just acquired a second round pick on like a wish and a prayer. Like you just like the commissioner is just like, yeah, according to this weird obscure rule, the Vikings have unearthed, we have to give them a second round pick, just something. Right. I mean, I imagine they're going to trade back in the first round and, you know, given all the mock drafts I've seen, it doesn't seem like the Vikings are in a super great spot to get a ton of value at 14, unless, you know, the, that edge rusher from Michigan falls. Um, I, I, w- I could see them and they don't like taking edge rushers in the first two rounds. Right. So they might not even like that idea. Um, so I could see them trading back in the first and acquiring a second, you know, maybe if one of those four quarterbacks falls and, you know, there's a team that wants to trade up. So that's what I think is going to happen. I think that they'll end up acquiring a second round pick through some chicanery. My uh, question would be, what do you regret trading for Yanni Kinga? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> I mean, well, you know, I was just looking, and not that I didn't know them before, but writing them down sometimes when you write something down, it really uh, sinks in. And I wrote down in an article the second round picks that they've had recently, and every one of them seems to be a hit. We'll see on Ezra Cleveland, but I mean, you go back to. Eric Hendricks is a superstar second round pick. Delvin Cook, it's a running back, I know, but the, you got the top three running back in the entire NFL with that pick. Irv Smith looks like he's an ascending player who's going to take over his tight end one. And then we'll see on Ezra Cleveland. At least he looked like last year he could play in the NFL. Uh, but you get Brian O'Neill, who's about to sign a big contract extension and is a very solid right tackle for you. Those are your second round picks. And one of the reasons I think that maybe teams won't want to give the Vikings a second round pick is a, because they're going to feel on less solid ground than they've ever felt about the NFL draft since maybe, I don't know, the very beginnings of the NFL draft where (laughs) they were uh, calling up local coaches on a rotary phone and being like, what do you think of that player there? Coach, I've heard good things. I mean, but there are guys that they're going to be drafting in the first round 
who have not played in over a year because they opted out. And there are going to be guys who you don't get a real combine or, or you're interviewing them on Zoom rather than having them in your building. And one thing we know about the NFL is that they get it right in general that they get the most talented players right. They're drafted in the first round. It's not like we see seventh rounders having first rounder careers all the time. And the NFL is just clueless. Right. They know who the guys are. And this year they know less of who the guys are. So if I'm a team with a second round pick and the Vikings call me I'm like, no, because I might be getting a first round talent. And I just don't realize it because I haven't gotten a good enough sample size on that player. So I, I think it's going to be really tough for them. And even if they're able to get back into the second round at some point, they have to give up something else to get there. Uh, maybe that Stefan Diggs fourth round pick helps a little uh, in that way, or maybe they can use the Ravens pick, but a lot of regrets there from the very moment that they had to trade him because he wasn't a fit. And as we get closer to draft season and you look at all the talent through the first and second round, you go, whew, not having a pick between 14 and 70 sure. or 78. Right. I mean, that really hurts. That's a big drop-off. Let me make one one point on this. And my my question was, for a second-round pick, what do you get for a third-round pick and all four of the Vikings' fourth-round picks? Because I looked at the trade value chart. (laughs) You have to give up, like, all of the mid-round picks if you wanted to move up into the second round. So either you trade a player, either you trade a player and get the second, or you trade back in the first round, which is far, far easier than trading up into the second round. That's why I'm team trade back, because as Fowler said, the second round picks are so valuable because they're so, so cheap. Yeah, one one thing that Bill Barnwell mentioned in an article he wrote, I think his most recent article, um, is this is a perfect environment to attempt to trade back. Now, obviously, if every team thinks that, it's no longer a perfect environment to attempt to trade back. But um, yeah, because the talent in this draft has not reduced. The uncertainty has increased, but the talent is the same. And so that, I think, is how GMs have to think about this draft, is that the the uncertainty in my evaluations are going to be more. The uncertainty in the NFL's evaluations in general are going to increase. But the same number of players that are great are going to be here as they would in a typical draft. So uh, I'm just going to have to take more shots because I'm not going to know if my shots are going to be good enough. Uh, and so, yeah, teams should absolutely trade back, especially in this environment. Yep, I'll, uh, for sure on, on team trade back, especially, you know, when you look at the Vikings, anytime you do a draft sim, which tells us all the truths of the world. Yeah. Um, but you look at it and you're like, well, if you traded back into the mid-20s, how different are you for what you need for the positions you need? Like there are multiple tackles. There are multiple edge rushers. There are a couple of corners. One of them might fall. There's Trayvon Mooring who might um, – you know, be there, the guy from TCU, the safety. Yeah, the safety. Yeah. Like there's there's so many different guys that would be a very, very good fit for you that trading back to try and somehow get yourself into that second round is good. But if I'm if I'm a GM and someone calls for my second round pick, I'm like, not not this year, my friend, not this year. We've got one more answer left in the show. It is Hard Knocks twenty twenty one. Ask me a question about Hard Knocks twenty twenty one, Arif. Uh, who are we going to have the most difficulty finding? No, that that doesn't work. The phrasing didn't really uh, yeah, work yeah, out yeah. there. I got one. I got one. A thing that I don't really care about anymore. What is a thing yeah, that I man. don't really care about anymore? I mean, it's just look. It's it, no. It's no longer as interesting. I mean, for one, we've kind of seen all there is to see 
in some ways. But then, you know, when the Antonio Brown thing went down and it was just little like kind of peeks around the corner at the Antonio Brown thing rather than an actual full insider look at it. And the team can say, no, sorry, you can't show yeah, that it's, stuff. It's become more PR and less journalism over the years. Yeah, right. For sure. Right. I mean, I went back last year and watched the Cincinnati one that Mike Zimmer was a part of. And so good. I mean, just it's amazing. It, I mean, it really even, was. even even the Jets one, right, was, yes. was phenomenal. Yes, right. It, it was it was like revolutionary to be that inside a football team as they prepared. And those guys, this happened with hockey too, where they did uh, lead up to the first outdoor game and the interviews. The guys just said whatever. Like they they seemed to like not understand what was going on, so they were just talking pretty openly. And then all of it was out there. And as soon as, of course, the league sees that and gets the feedback and the teams see that and everything else, then it's, eh, let's, let's kind of close it down a little bit. We don't want that stuff out there, which I get. I get teams don't want the distractions. They don't want to be a headline every week because of hard knocks. But, you know, last year watching the guys get their noses tested for COVID just didn't do it for me. Like I kind of, <laughs> it's weird. It just, I, I feel like I used to really learn something about how the inner workings of a team went. And I especially loved when there were meetings with players and there yes. were coaches ripping players, things like that. They just don't really show that stuff now. So yeah. 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 I mean, I guess uh, one of the most interesting things that from a uh, recent hard knocks had to be uh, when, um, when uh, Eric Kendricks, brother, Michael, Michael Kendricks yeah. was traded. Mm-hmm. Um, to the Browns, and he gave a scouting report on Foles. Mm. That was maybe, and that seems that's so much less interesting than the most interesting thing from like the previous hard knocks, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But that one was so interesting because he was like, yeah, the the trajectory of the ball has this teardrop, uh, so you got to be ready for it. It is an interceptable ball, but it is kind of tough to see. And like Eagles fans took it really weirdly. They were like, I can't believe he insulted Foles when all he was doing was giving a scouting report. And then Eagles you fans, saw man. that it right. And then it turned into a pick. Like, that was crazy cool. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah, put yeah. to bed the notion that former players oh, don't yeah. rat on their their old team because this was a preseason game yes, that they were yeah. getting a scouting report on a quarterback from a linebacker, which right. is wild. Um, my question, by the way, which HBO show would the Giants be the most boring candidate for? <laughs> because I saw there were five candidates, mm. the Giants, the Cardinals, the Cowboys, the Panthers, and the Broncos. And honestly – Four of those five, I think, are fairly interesting. Yeah, I about think the Panthers. Panthers don't seem that interesting. I think the Panthers could be interesting if they like make some noise. I think that's a team Trade that's, for Watson. That's they're linked. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, they're linked to some big things. I think Broncos could be interesting. The Cardinals um, sound fascinating. How, I like yeah, that. Cardinals would be awesome. I think um, with Hop and and Kyler and and obviously um, um, Kingsbury, but yeah, the Giants. I don't care. Hey everyone, we're in the full swing of winter now and Soda Stick has you covered. If you're a hockey fan, check out the North State Icon shirts or the Mick Golden Light snowmobile designs. All of these along with great football designs like the skull hats, football state beanies and hoodies, and my favorite, the Metrodome gear. If you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping. Just go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. All of their apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. You know what's interesting? I asked Mike Zimmer, I think it was last year, about uh, Hard Knocks. 
or not last year. It would have been two years ago because last year right. I was forced to stay 1,000 feet away from anything football, uh, except for the reporters where we got to stand near like some weeds and watch from a long way away that James Lynch couldn't play defensive tackle. Uh, anyway, <laughs> sorry, James Lynch, you didn't deserve that. Yes, you did. Um, but it was his answer was interesting because I thought Zimmer would be like, hard knocks, get out of my face. Like, I don't want them in my building. But, um, you know, a- actually he said he loved being on hard knocks. And he said it was really a fun experience. Yeah. And he was still friends with some of the people who were producers and things like that and said, like, yeah, I wouldn't mind being on hard knocks again. It was a very, very stunning answer because I assumed he would be, I don't want any stuff out there or whatever else. So it really is just us who annoy him, I guess, and (laughs) not Hard Knocks. But also some of us. Hard Knocks, yeah, some of us. But Hard Knocks also made him look really cool, though. It did. Yeah, it was was good accidental PR for him, for sure. Yes, with him just going nuts on the sideline on his team in preseason telling them to cut the bleep, 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 bleep with all the (laughs) things. But but that, I mean, yeah – when it was great, it was truly great, and now it's just kind of like, I don't know. It's all right. Yeah. If, it's, if, it's if a someone, piece. Right. If someone tells me there's something there that I need to see, I'll go see it, but that's kind of – Yeah, I'll watch the – because they'll put the, the clip that's good, like on YouTube or on the right. internet, and not copyright strike it. So I'll I watch, watch it for the credit scene. The credit scene is always the best one of the show. Oh, yeah, they're pretty funny. Yeah. 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 So um, before we wrap this up, um, I want to ask you, Arif, the same question I asked Courtney last week to wrap up, which is when do you think stuff's going to happen <laughs> with the Vikings? Oh, my because, God. I thought it was going to happen today, honestly. I mean, uh, yeah, as we get to, like, you know, you know things heating up and rumors, and this would have been around the combine time, so, you know, maybe – that that's part of the reason why, because everybody's not in the same rooms together and bumping into each other, getting coffee and things like that, that we haven't had a little more movement. But, yeah, I'm a little bit surprised that we haven't had anything yet, not a, right. a cut no or cuts, a no, Not or, even trade rumors, right? Like right. all the trade rumors are like X team is interested in Kirk Cousins, and it's like, well, that doesn't get us very far. Like who cares? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> if, 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 uh, if the Vikings are interested in trading Kyle Rudolph, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll talk about that. Right. But you know, they haven't leaked anything. They clearly have not had very many discussions with players or agents because those agents also want to get stuff done. So they'll right. probably put stuff in that out there. So yeah, we haven't seen. I thought it'd be today, just because you know it's the day after the franchise tag window opens, uh, and so some other movement around the league might spur the Vikings to begin moving stuff. Um, they need to have conversations about like player movement and stuff. And the Vikings have said, I don't know if they've actually lived up to this idea, but they've said in the past, like essentially, you know, once we know that we don't want, you know, that we need to move on from a player, I think is the phrasing they use. <laughs> we don't want the player anymore. is probably not the phrasing they would like. <laughs> right. um, but that we want to move on from a player. You know, we want to let them know as soon as possible and let them kind of explore their options, which is kind of how they handled, uh, like, for example, Everson Griffin, right? Which I think backfired, but you know, whatever. Um, yeah, I, if that's true, and, you know, I'm a little suspicious, but if that's true, they got to know that there's some of these players that they don't want on the roster anymore, right? They should probably call them and let them know that they uh, that they can hit free agency. And as a <laughs> right, favor right. to them, they can choose their team without having to compete with, like, the actual best player at their position. You think uh, Rudolph is first to get cut? I think so. I think, I mean, he, he's making noise, right? So, yeah. um 
it doesn't have to be like an object lesson or anything like that, but it would make sense to let him go. Because I feel like if you're Rudolph and you see somebody else get cut and they didn't even request to be released, I mean, I would be really ticked off. I'd be more stunned than any other offseason move if he stayed, I think. Well, I mean, we anticipated this two years ago when he signed the extension. We all said, yeah, he's probably not going to be a Viking. He's got to be a Viking next year because of the guarantee, but he's not going to be a Viking for the year after that. This is that year. This is the year we anticipated he wouldn't be a Viking. So the writing's been there on the wall. Um, He's performed fine, but not so stunningly well that you need to find a way to keep him. Um, Both Tyler Conklin and Irv Smith, especially Conklin, have stepped up uh, in situations where where you've needed them to. So it's the perfect scenario for him to just kind of – find another team. I mean, obviously the Vikings really value his commitment to like the community and stuff like that, but that's not how business decisions are made. You're right. This, uh, the day that they signed him, like this was the way they set it up to be able to move on at this moment if they needed to. So, uh, well, Arif, this was great throughout the off season. You're going to join us on a semi-regular basis to have uh, machine reunions here with myself and Sam. So I appreciate all of your time, good stuff. And Sam, I felt like we, we kind of got it. Like after a little while, at first we're like, how exactly do I phrase my questions? But we got into a rhythm. It was like mid season where you see the offenses on the same page and things like that. Our defensive communication was good. We eventually got there. Yeah. You, you read your keys. Well, I still think <laughs> you're at like an OTAs level. Yeah, I think you're we, probably we right. need to yeah, develop. We'll, we'll develop pick up long your, ago, but we made progress. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you'll get used to nonsense games when you, when you have a refund and I'm leading the, the discussion. We'll play memory frenzy at some point, which caller I think you'll dominate at. Yeah, you'll People. kill it. I'm no good at this. Yeah, yeah. Luke Inman was always really, really good at it, but um, it it tests the the footballiest of football uh, trivia pieces of your brain. Well, I just uh, need to hear some pads popping. Is is what I need to oh, get yeah. to get to that point. So Arif, great, uh, great to have you on. Great stuff. Uh, read him at the Athletic, of course, and uh, we will do this again very soon. Thanks, guys. Right, thanks for having me. Thanks, caller. Thanks, Arif.